Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What is up, Dolphins? Welcome into the Friday, April the 19th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we're going to go back down to Davie for day three of voluntary minicamps. After a quick schedule recap, we'll have a special guest jump back on the podcast to talk about his observation from this week's camp. We have some news regarding Laramie Tunzel. We have a jammed packed Twitter mailbag, and we'll finish it up by discussing the backs and receivers in this year's draft class. But first, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on the new Himalaya podcast app, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Tuned In, however you get your podcast, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review the show. Give me a follow on Twitter, at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. Check out LockedOnDolphins.com. We have tons of content for you guys every day, including the first source on the Dolphins' official 2019 schedule this year. And last but not least, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts. Check out the Locked On NFL podcast this week. Five hour-long episodes doing a complete comprehensive mock draft. It is cannot miss podcasting. Check that out. We have a busy show, as we always do. Let's go ahead and jump right in. My first item on the docket here is to give you guys a heads up. There have been some sounds going on outside of my recording studio upstairs, and studio is putting it nicely. It's just a room, but there is dogs barking. There's a lawnmower going on. It's 75 degrees here. There's no wind. It's beautiful sunshine. And it's so nice, in fact, the missus and I, after she gets off work here in a couple hours, are going to go to a brewery, our favorite brewery, called Bell Breaker Brewery here in Yakima, Washington, and sit on the lawn, play some cornhole, toss some frisbee, drink some beers, and have a very nice day that I cannot wait to get started. But there are people outside, and that's why I apologize for the background sound, if you guys can hear that. But that's neither here nor there. A couple of notes here I want to get to before we get to our guest on the podcast here. Going back to yesterday's schedule release or Wednesday's schedule release, the Dolphins are one of five teams that has to play two teams coming off of their bye week. There are two teams, the Eagles and Patriots, that have to play three such games. I know the Dolphins played the Lions and Bears off their bye weeks last year, and I think there might have been a third. So, of course, the Dolphins schedule always seems to be prohibitive from their long-term success even though they aren't really deserving of long-term success in their own right. But it's just another negative result from the schedule release. I posted this article up on LockedOnDolphins.com, breaking down the Dolphins' schedule from a Vegas slant, looking at this type of thing, talking about the teams they play before and after these certain games. It gives you a better idea into what kind of team you could see coming into Miami or a team the Dolphins have to travel to that particular week because every team is 16 different versions of themselves, so it's good to know which type of team you're going to get each and every week. But we change gears here and talk about day three of voluntary minicamps that happened on Thursday. And before I bring my guest on, I wanted to make one quick point here. And it's that Brian Flores showed up to his press conference early. And that might sound really innocuous to most of you guys, but that is super rare for coaches in this league. They typically make the media wait for them to get there. They're almost always late. And we talked about it on Twitter today. And the staff editor at LockedOnDolphins.com, Jason Harina, at Miami D Punks, he does all these 
post-practice, post-camp write-ups. You guys do not want to miss those on LockedOnDolphins.com. But we were joking about him being a little bit late and me always being on time. And I have to apologize to Jason because one of my moves, and it's very passive-aggressive, I'm very well aware of it, is that I'll go sit in the car when it's time to go and wait for whoever the person is that is late to get their ass out into the car. And I'm pretty sure I did that to Jason two or three times down in Miami. So Jason, love you, brother. Sorry for that. I just like being on time. I think it's a sign of respect. I think it shows you that you value my time as much as you value your own time. And I think that shows through with Coach Brian Flores. It shows that he's a man of his word, a man of high character, and a man chocked full of integrity. I know. I know it's a small, small thing, but these little details matter. And I think all the pieces we can add up this offseason so far tell you that the Dolphins got this thing right in regards to Brian Flores' leadership skill set. And I think that permeates every single day at practice, whether it's the training camp portions back down in August or this time of year in April, he's going to be the same guy every single day. I'm excited for that point. Let's go ahead and shift gears here. We're going to talk more about the comments made at these press conferences. But first, let's go ahead and bring on my guest. You guys know who he is. Let's roll this phone call. And now back on the show for the second time this week after a year-long absence is Locked On Dolphins' own Kevin Dern. Kevin, what's up, buddy? Oh, not too much. Just uh, driving home. Looks like I'm headed into a rainstorm, but uh, happy to talk some Dolphins. That's funny you're in a rainstorm because I just bragged on the podcast about how it's 75 degrees with no wind and sunshine out here, and I'm heading to the lawn portion of my favorite brewery here. I think I talked to you about it, Bellbreaker Brewery out here in Yakima. Going to head there for happy hour today. I am very, very excited about this weather, about springtime, and the reason I'm really excited about springtime beyond this weather is the draft, and we have football and guys on the field and the coaches talking to the media and the reason I wanted to have you on today, Kevin, was because you mentioned something in our group me chat regarding the Dolphins linebacker play or their plan going forward with linebackers and how you think that maybe Jerome Baker might not have as big as a role as we all anticipate. And you just articulated things in a way that maybe I haven't been able to. So I kind of wanted to give you the floor here, Kevin, and just ask you about the comments Brian Flores made regarding his linebackers and this new defense going forward. Yeah, so what what really kind of sparked it was, um, I think it was Barry Jackson, one of the beat writers, I think it was Barry, asked Flores today if he could talk about specifically McMillan and Baker. And he had a couple different things to say about McMillan. You know, he's got good size, he's fast, he's physical, he's a good leader, you know, on and off the field, all that, good young player. And he didn't really say as much about Jerome Baker. He kind of paused and said, you know, well, he's a good tackler, he's athletic, you know, he's just, he's a good young player. And I was kind of thinking about that, you know, maybe they really don't have as much planned in store for him as we might think. And I went back and looked at my, my draft board that I've been keeping track of. And if you look at the the players on there, there's just a whole bunch of different linebackers that are probably more of a close analog to Kyle Van Noy than Jerome Baker is. So I think we're both in, in pretty much agreement in terms of what Raekwon McMillan is going to be asked to do and that he's going to be asked to play a lot and, and kind of be the focal point, at least of the linebacking core, if not the front seven this year. But with Jerome Baker, I kind of wonder if maybe he's not so much Kyle Van Noy and maybe he's more of a Landon Roberts where he's kind of a coverage player, comes in on some of the sub packages. Maybe he does some of that Patrick Chung third down work and they're still looking for someone in the draft to be there, Kyle Van Noy, you know, just with the names like Trey Lamar, uh, Justin Hollins, Jelani Tavai, 
you know, et cetera, and so forth that we talked about earlier this week. Uh, and that's really what the basis of my, my text was for today. I like that thought, that thinking, because Jerome Baker, to me, his best attribute is the speed and the ability to come after the quarterback and be really responsible for that certain gap integrity that we're looking forward to on this new defense. And I love watching the way he and Rayquan McMillan have such gap integrity on those blitzes because it's not about you, it's about the team getting home, and those guys both adhere to that idea. Let's go ahead and change gears here, Kevin. Talk about... Another comment that was made at the press conferences during the voluntary workouts, and that was with Chris Greer talking about his draft classes and how he said he had full or final say, I should say, over the final draft process the last three years. And we saw an article up on Twitter from he who shall not be named anymore on this particular podcast and how it's he he's hoping it'll be different going forward. And my question is why? Because you're sitting here and you have Chris Greer who the last... Three years, the Dolphins have right around seven or eight picks every single year with Greer, no additional picks, and they gave up a bunch of draft picks in 2016 to go out and get Leonte Carew. Admittedly, that one stunk on ice, but you have three draft classes, and to me, you've got two for sure pro bowlers in Laramie Tunzel and Xavier Howard. You've got two more, in my opinion, because it's only a matter of time before Minka Fitzpatrick goes to the Pro Bowl, and Jakeem Grant is the best return man in the NFL. He belongs in the Pro Bowl with a full year, in my opinion. On top of those guys, you've got Jerome Baker, Rayquan McMillan, Devon Godshaw, Vincent Taylor, Kenyon Drake, and Jason Sanders. That's top half of the NFL in terms of drafting talent. And if he finds the quarterback, you're going to be in a position where you have a foundation, a young quarterback, a good team, a good coaching staff we all feel pretty comfortable about. So why is there some degradation going on with Chris Greer and these past draft classes? Yeah, I'm not sure um, specifically about he who, who shall not be named about <laughs> why he feels that way. Um, but I, it was funny. I was thinking about it today. Whatever, for whatever reason, if you look at the odd years, Miami's drafts tend to be worse than odd-numbered years. So hopefully Chris Greer does buck that trend. But, like, <laughs> if you look at it, you know, look at 2009. You had Pat White in the second round. 2011 was Daniel Thomas and Clyde Gates. 2013 was Jeff Ireland's disaster. Oh. You know, there's, what, two guys left from 2015. So, you know, it's kind of been a weird trend that, you know, maybe I just picked up on today, but uh, yeah, I getting the top three picks out of 2016. I mean, those were all, you know, in my opinion, heavy contributors. And I think you want to have that happen each and every year if you can. Um, so I'm really not sure what he was getting at by, by, you know, not wanting Chris Beer to kind of continue to have that same run of success. Um, I mean, for me, really, the only thing I'd like to see them do differently is is maybe stockpile picks for future years and maybe have one of those draft classes where you get 10, 11, 12 players, you know, versus like six, seven, eight. Um, I think you just have more bites at the apple, and that's going to help you overall. But, uh, yeah, I, I think Chris Greer's done a pretty good job. Um, you know, really, the, the only two picks that, for me, are kind of souring are, you know, Leontay Carew obviously didn't work out, and, you know, Charles Harris is probably on his last legs here in Miami this season, but otherwise I've been pretty happy with, with, 
with Chris Greer's picks overall. Well, maybe the even and odd year thing is why they traded for so many picks next year, and that could be even better for us because that should be the year we get our quarterback in. So go ahead and suck in 2019, but come back in 2020 and knock it out of the park. Yeah. <laughs> we have a lot more to talk to on this talk about on this podcast, Kevin. And before we get to that, just real quick, Chris or uh, Brian Flores even mentioned it himself that he wants to hit three starters every single draft class, and that's pretty much what they've done. So if they keep doing that going forward, we're going to be in a good spot. But we got to take a break right now. We're going to come back and talk about Laramie Tunzel and get into the Twitter mailbag. Kevin, can you stick around for the mailbag? Yeah, I can stick around. All right, we're going to come back with Kevin Dern. He's going to help me answer some of your guys' crazy questions in that mailbag. We'll do that next on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, at Winfield NFL, at Locked On Fins, and you can find Kevin at KevinMD4. We are back on this beautiful Friday as spring is rolling in. The NFL draft is right around the corner. We have a guest on the podcast. Kevin Dern joins the show to help us get through this Twitter mailbag. But first, Kevin, I thought it was appropriate to have you talk about this because this is your guy, and he always has been since the Dolphins drafted him. I frankly love him from the start because of the bong mask thing, and I just think it was hilarious. <laughs> and you know I'm a big Ricky Williams fan as well for multiple reasons. But Laramie Tunzel today had the fifth-year option on his contract exercised. How do you feel about that? I mean, it's it's smart. They had to do it. Um, I think it's going to give him some flexibility in terms of trying to get an extension you know, done for him. And I think if he plays – another year in 2019, like he did last year, um, you ought to make him the highest paid tackle in the, in the entire NFL. He's, he's that good. And we, have, uh, yeah, I, I think they have to pull the trigger on it. We have to think that had something to do with why Jawan James is not brought back. Right. I mean, Jawan James is a good player. You don't let a guy like that walk unless you have something like a Laramie Tunzel waiting in the wings. Right. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, I think Jawan James is a pretty good player. I think Laramie Tunsil has got a chance to be an elite player, and that's really something we haven't had on the Dolphins since, since what, Jason Taylor in, in 06 maybe? Yeah. You know, so you had to do it. I, I think they had to do it. I think it was smart. I was looking back at a, a Ricky Williams highlight video, and it's kind of funny we tie this together because this is a separate, entirely separate idea. But I saw this video of Ricky Williams in that 2002 season and how dominant he was. And that was the last time we had a top-level talent at his position on the offensive side of the ball. Hopefully, Laramie Tunzel can be that now going forward, or I guess at the skill positions. But at left tackle, Tunzel has a chance to be the best left tackle in all of the NFL. But, Kevin, we have a very, very jam-packed Twitter mailbag. Let's go ahead and jump in right here real quick. I'm going to ask you this question because I don't really know the answer to it. I know what I would say to it, but I'm going to ask you. It comes from Danny Pawag, and I hope I said that right, at Depot NFL. If Kyler doesn't go number one, are we on the phone to get to number two? What do you think? Yeah, why not? Um, You know, this team needs a quarterback, and I think you should be able to explore every opportunity, especially if he doesn't get taken number one. Well, I'm glad I kind of finally beat you down on that one. Because I remember texting you back in December, whatever it was, just saying, we got to get this quarterback. We have to have this guy. You can change everything. So you guys know how I feel about him. Kevin's finally coming around on the idea of going up for him. I know the draft capital is going to be limited in terms of having the opportunity to go get him. But man, dig into your pockets and make that move because he changes everything for this team, in my opinion. He's that type of quarterback. And if the Dolphins can get a quarterback, this roster all of a sudden, your offensive line woes, your defensive line 
line woes. They're not as bad if you have a good quarterback. I think Kyler's a good quarterback, much better than what we have right now, certainly. Next question here comes from Alex Blair. He is at Kaiser FinFan. Is there any potential draft pick you think might be likely but would upset many fans? My answer for that, I think, would be Rashawn Gary because I think a lot of folks don't like Rashawn Gary for the lack of production. What do you think on that one, Kevin? Who would be a draft pick that could be likely but would piss off the fan base? Um, yeah, Rashawn Gary is probably the first name that pops into my mind, although I wouldn't be terribly upset by that. I was going to say maybe Jeffrey Simmons just because he's not going to play this year, but he's a top five player. I would I would take him all day long, especially if, if this year doesn't matter in the eyes of the Dolphins. Let's go back to the quarterback right here with Kirk Marks. He is at Coco Marks Kirk. That's a great Twitter handle. He asks, I saw you drafted Haskins with the 13th pick in the Locked On Mock Draft. If we stay put and he is there, is there any chance we skip on him and draft for the trenches? What do you say, Kev? I say yes, and I say that as an Ohio State fan, and I'll, I'll just leave it at that. All right, then. You know, I, I've, I've gotten all 22 sent to me on Dwayne Haskins. I've done the breakdowns. I've watched five of his games in all 22. I saw a boatload of them back in the season on the live broadcast. I've watched YouTube cut-ups. I've looked into his game a lot. And, Kevin, I want to like him. I want to love the guy because I want to have the conviction about a quarterback this year because it makes the season more fun if we have a quarterback to root for besides Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's great for other reasons. But I just, I can't get there. I can't get there on Dwayne Haskins to love him enough to say that this is the guy that's going to make Brian Flores and Chris Greer, they're going to get statues outside of Hard Rock Stadium because of Dwayne Haskins. I don't think so. They need somebody else for that. And that's why I cannot get excited. And that's why I think, yeah, I'd agree. There's a chance they could pass up on him. Next question here comes from Mr. Stubborn. He is at Obduarte underscore one. Outside of Miami landing Kyler Murray, what would be the ultimate shocker draft pick in the first round? Um... I would probably say Dexter Lawrence first, just because I don't think he's going to go that high in the first round. I talked about it on the podcast earlier in the week. I think he's a very high floor player, but as far as a three down disruptive interior defensive lineman, I don't think he's that. What say you, Kev? Um, I really like Dexter Lawrence. So if they took him at 13, I'd be fine. I would say as far as a shocker, any, any wide receiver in round one to me would be shocking as a Dolphins fan. I think any receiver on the first two days would be a shocker just because I feel like with what this team wants to be offensively and what they currently have in the cupboard, I don't think they're really going to be in on this receiver class, at least early on. That's my opinion. Okay, next question here comes in from Kyle Bartfay at Kyle Bartfay. That's one hell of a name as well. Which one of our lines, offensive or defense, is closer to being a, vi- a viable positional unit? Because frankly, right now, I don't think either of them are all that close. But which one do you think is closer, Kev? I would say neither as well, but I think given the what's available in the draft class, the D-line is going to be easier to finish. Yeah, especially with all those options at pick 48. If you trade back in the first round, Chase Winovich, LJ Collier, Charles Amenahu, we've talked about the same names over and over on the podcast. I think we're all in agreement on that one. Let's go ahead and move on here and get a couple more of these questions. Next question here comes from John Langjun. He is at Jay Langjun on Twitter. Are you getting to attend any home games as a media member this year in Miami? I hope so. Last year, it was a fan site type of thing. Guys like the Finsider were there. I think a couple other websites were there as well. I met Kevin Nogle when I was down there. Very nice guy from the Finsider. But they haven't put the offer out this year. Last year, it came in in the summertime. I think they're going to do it again this year. If they do, you're damn right I'll be down there. That was the time of my life. So 100% yes, I'll be there for that. This next question here comes from Paul D. Anslinger. 
He is at Paul D. Anslinger on Twitter. The Patriots have 12 picks in this draft, six in the first three rounds. Could it be that they might be aggressive trading up for better talent as their window is closing? And he's talking about Tom Brady, of course. Let's say Hawkinson is there at 13 and the Pats call you and offer you 32 and a second and a third. Damn, that's some good draft capital, Kev. Do you accept that pick or that trade? I mean, have we learned nothing from giving them Wes Welker? Uh, oh, the old poison pill. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, no, I would, uh, as much as Miami needs extra picks, I would not be willing to do it at the expense of helping the Patriots. That's, no, such, my an, answer is no. that's such an interesting dichotomy because that is a haul of draft picks and exactly what we want to do. I think both you and I agree that would be ideal for the Dolphins. But it goes back to this idea I have where I have a trade embargo on the Patriots. I'm not fucking with them, dude. Like, I'm not giving them anything because they're always three steps ahead of the game. And I'm going to stay off yeah, of that. They, and they just fix everybody. Yeah, just every year. Like giving him Trent Brown last year. Why the hell did you do that? Why did you give Michael Bennett this year? Stop giving them parts. They're going to make it work. They have a plan for everybody that enters that building. If they get TJ Hawkinson, he probably becomes Gronk 2.0. So I think I'm with Kev. I think I say no. Let's get one more question here. And it comes from Andy Coughlin. He is at A underscore Coughlin 13. What is your perfect scenario for the first few rounds of the draft in your opinion? Uh, I'll go ahead and start this one, Kev. You guys know I want defensive backs because I think this class in that 20 to 50 to 60 range is loaded at safety and particularly the safeties that Dolphins need on this defense. I think defensive line would be great as well. And I have really, really warmed up on the idea of going heavy on the offensive line. So offensive line, defensive backs, and of course the defensive line. Kev, I feel like your answer is probably pretty similar to that. Yeah, I would just say as long as they address offensive line and defensive line, I'm, I'm fine. Uh, it doesn't really matter who, um, just don't spend picks on, on receivers and tight ends, running backs early, you know, find those later on. Yeah. hundred percent agree. You can find UDFAs day three draft picks for those spots, especially considering the Dolphins current roster makeup. If there were guys that were super talented, like if there was an Adrian Peterson or if there was a Calvin Johnson, sure but I just don't believe in that in this year's class, at least not at those positions. Let's go ahead and take our last break here. We'll come back on the other side and say goodbye to Kevin. Uh, you got anything else for us here, Kev? No, not today. Well, all right, then we'll say goodbye to Kevin Dern once again. He is one of our writers at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys can find all of his draft preview stuff up there at LockedOnDolphins.com under his author page. He is on Twitter at KevinMD4. And the only thing left to do is to say goodnight, Kevin. Good night, Kevin. Easily the best outro we have here on the podcast. And let's go ahead and take our last break before we talk about the backs and receivers in this year's draft class. We'll do that next. Locked on Dolphins podcast at Winkle NFL at Locked on Fins. So we talked about offensive line and players I like in that class on yesterday's podcast. We also have my big board up on LockedOnDolphins.com from a couple of weeks ago. That has not been updated, but it's still pretty much the same as far as what I'm thinking. All the positions across the board for the Dolphins, they can go in so many directions in this draft, and I feel like they have more flexibility this year than they've really had in a long time simply because... Being competitive in 2019 isn't the primary focus, and that might sound funny or maybe not in the true sportsman's mentality in terms of being 
having integrity with the way you approach the game. Maybe it's not that, but it has a long-term focus, a long-term scope in mind. And so with that, the Dolphins can go anywhere in this draft. And as far as the offensive line, I don't think I talked about this, but I do think they'll address the offensive line twice in this draft. I think one of those is going to be early, as in day one or maybe day two. And then again, on late in the draft on day number three in rounds five, six, or seven. And give Coach Pat Flaherty, one, a player that can start right away and a player that he can maybe mold and develop into a starter down the road. Now we have to talk about backs and receivers real quick. And the reason I threw them on today's show is because I knew I'd be short on time. And there really isn't a lot to talk about with this class. Kevin mentioned it. I mentioned it. I think receiver is off the board entirely up until day number three. I know that I preach best player available, but I just don't think the talent with where the Dolphins will sit on the draft board in regards to other positions will hold value for this team. So I think receivers go back onto day three, looking at guys like Hunter Renfro, Penny Hart from Georgia State. Both those guys could play in the slot. Keelan Doss out of UC Davis, another late round prospect I'm a big fan of. There's plenty of guys to go in that direction. As far as running back, I'm going to keep talking about him. James Williams, the Washington State Cougars running back. He is an ideal fit for this team in terms of what he can do as a pass catcher. Miles Sanders out of Penn State. I think David Montgomery would be a different type of back from Iowa State, but he fits that mentality as well. In terms of being a guy, you know what he's going to give you. He's a lunch pail type of ball carrier, and he's just a damn good back. Devin Singletary out of FAU, big fan of his game as well. The kid from Memphis, Darnell Henderson, like his game a whole lot too. I think the Dolphins have options at this position. I think they're going to have to add at least one, maybe two guys. Probably not in the draft. I would say one in the draft somewhere in the middle rounds between rounds three and six or seven, and then come back in undrafted free agency and go after a heavy that way, like they did last year with Brandon Ratcliffe. Gregory Howell, and I think there was one other back they signed as a UDFA. They're going to be heavy in the UDFA running back game, but I think they'll probably draft one running back, no receivers, and I think two offensive linemen, and we'll finish up this portion of the draft preview on next week's podcast. We'll come back on Monday talking about probably quarterbacks and tight ends, but until then, that is going to be my time. If you have a smart speaker, you can pull up the Locked On Dolphins podcast right away. Just say play Locked On Dolphins podcast and get us into your earbuds right away. Also, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast and the new Himalaya podcast app. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night and weekend. We'll talk to you again on Monday and Sunday night for another edition of Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.